Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. Back into our series on money. If you've got your Bible, I'd like to you get your Bible inside your programs or verse sheet. We'll put the verses up on the screen. But as you know, last time we were talking about this, we talked about the fact that we have to have a plan for our money. And I just want this series just to be totally common sense and really practical for you. And, and we talked about the fact that, uh, that you're the business manager, okay? You're the business manager for God's plan, okay? It's God's money. It's God's plan. Your job is just to manage it. And the proof of that was this. When you die, you take none of your money with you. What do you do with it? You leave it for the next person in line, and now it's their turn to manage or steward uh, God's business. So you only have a short period of time that you manage what God's given you. So we're going to get started today, and here's what I want. I need your, your help today, interaction today, involvement today, and the faster you do this, the faster we'll get done. I want everyone to reach in their pocket, and I want you to take out your wallet or your checkbook. Now, I'm not going to ask you for any of your money right now, okay? It's just for the illustration. Would you reach into your wallet or your pocketbook, get out your credit card or your wallet, uh, maybe you got a checkbook. Again, I'm not going to ask you to give any of your money right now. Don't worry. Uh, the ushers aren't going to take it from you. But um, I want you just to get it out. And, and I tell you what, I know this about our church. This room is full of the most generous and faithful people I think I've ever met in my life. But, but let, me, well, let me ask you this question while you're doing that. Just raise your hand. How many of you, how many of you would like to be able, would like to be able to be more generous in your life? Just, would you like to say, man, I wish I was more generous? Raise your hand. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Good. Uh, you guys are awake. You're paying attention. All right. Well, we're going to work on that today. I want you to take your wallet or your checkbook. Now listen. And I want you to hand it, just hand it to the person sitting next to you right now. Would you give your wallet or your checkbook just to the person next to you? Just, just do it for the sake of illustration. Now, assuming that you've done that, you've, you've given your wallet or your checkbook to the person sitting next to you, now we're going to take another offering. <laughs> now, you raised your hand and said you wish you could be more generous. Well, you can be more generous now because whose wallet or whose checkbook you got? Someone else. Isn't it easy to be generous when it's not your money? Amen? It's like, it's like the little kids. You know, I want to be generous. Well, yeah, you're generous because mommy gave you a quarter to put in the offering plate, right? And the kids are all excited. But it's not their money, so it's real easy to want to be generous. Now, unfortunately, you can give the wallet or the credit card or the checkbook back to the person that you took it from. But uh, we have, our kids have no problem being generous. Um, and we're going to continue our talk about this, and we're going to talk about really um, what we do with the first 10% of your income. Uh, we haven't talked about this for a long time, and I, <laughs> oh boy, I know some of you are sitting there, you're going, oh crud. We showed up on money day here at the church, you know, <laughs> of all day. Well, it was supposed to be last week, all right, but it's this week, so maybe you're supposed to be here today, I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, here, we're not going to take up another offering, you're fine. And I'm not even going to talk about I'm not even going to talk about you giving more money today. I'm just not. I'm just not. What I'm going to talk about today, and listen, is the principle behind why we give. 
I, I am not asking you for any more money today, okay? I'm not. I'm just, I'm not. But we're going to talk about the principle of why do we give. Now, now listen, I'll say that, but I've got to say this too. You know, if you went to the doctor, let's say you had a pain in your side. My son had a hernia a while back, and he had a pain. If you go to the doctor, and you have a pain, and the doctor starts prodding around and pushing, oh, ouch, don't touch there. Ouch, 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 don't. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Don't touch that. Well, the reason that it offends you, the reason that it hurts, is because there's a, there's a problem with that area, right? And so you have to kind of, you know, grimace and groan through it. But, but the reason the doctor's doing it is trying to help you, trying to get you to understand it. And, and you may be sitting there saying, I want to scream. Why do I want to scream? Well, because that's maybe an unhealthy spot that has to be dealt with. And um, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I'd, I'd be a pretty sore pastor if I didn't talk about the subject because sometimes in a church our size, this can be an unhealthy spot in all of our lives. Now, now, think about this just for a moment. Let's talk about this. You know, you think about how many times Jesus talked about money. 66% of the parables that Jesus talked about, he talked about money. So that means over half the times that Jesus gave a story when he was alive, more than half, he talked about money. How about this? 2,300 uh, verses, at least that I counted, deal with the concept of money. So you have a Bible that's only this thick, and 2,300 of the verses deal with the subject of money. Five times more than prayer, the Bible talks about money. Five times more than faith, the Bible talks about money. So do you think talking about money is a big deal? I think it's a really big deal. I think the Bible covers it a lot. Why? Because I think God knew that it was going to be a sore spot. Oh, don't touch there. But the doctor's got to look at it and got to touch it, right, to try to figure out what's wrong so we can kind of deal with it. So listen, if, if today is uncomfortable for you and you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, squirm and grimace, talking about money. Uh, don't worry about it. No one, no one next to you knows, okay? They don't know that you're uncomfortable unless you wince or you have a scowl on your face. Then they'll know. So I want everyone right now just to put a big smile on your face. We just practice, put a big smile on your face. <laughs> this isn't going to hurt. I can't wait till the stupid service is over. <laughs> I'm never coming back to this church. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, we had a guy, I remember growing up in our church at Quentin Road Baptist Church, we had a guy, his name was Richard. Uh, uh, he, he's, he passed away years ago, but he's Richard. And every time, every time Dr. Scudder would do a series on money, which he didn't do much, maybe a couple, you know, once every couple of years, Richard would leave the church. He would like withdraw his membership and he'd go to the church on the other side of town and he'd become a member of that church for like six weeks until he found out that Dr. Scudder was done talking about money and then he'd come back. Well, that went on for years until finally Dr. Scudder caught on. He called him on the carpet and, it, and, then he just, and then he just made fun of him in front of church. So listen, we're talking about money, Richard. I don't want you to leave church now. I want you to stay. And um, uh, he finally confessed it. Take your Bible, Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. Let's take a look at this. This is just cool. We're talking about the principles of why we give and all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So take a look at that. Notice what it says here uh, in that. It says that it, it is holy to the Lord and that it belongs to who? It, it belongs to God already. It is His. So what is the tithe? What is the word tithe? Well, the word tithe is the word mahaser, which literally just means, it's a percentage. So it literally just means a tenth, okay, 10%. Everybody in this room, whether you go to this church or not, okay, or whether you go to church or not, you, everyone here is a percentage giver. You all give a percentage. You are. 
Some of you, it may be 0%, but it's a percentage, okay? Some of you, maybe it's 1, some of you, maybe it's 5, or it's 10%, or it's more than that, I don't know. But, but the reality of the fact is all this verse is saying is that there's a percentage, a number, a 10%, and it says here that it is holy to God, it is His, which means, now think, we're not really technically giving it because whose is it already? He says it's mine. So God says the tithe or 10% off the top of what you, what you make, okay, from the very beginning, what you make, your first fruits. He says technically it's already mine. All you're doing, listen to me, all you're doing is returning it. So, so get out of your mind, I'm giving it. Look at the thought of I'm just returning it. It's not mine to give. It's God's to start with. You know, and, and I tell you, Americans, we have a real problem with this. The average Christian in America gives about 2% of their income to the work of God. So that's a percentage. 2% is a percentage. The average Christian, evangelical Christian, gives about 2%. Only 3% of Christians actually give 10%. Hmm. He talks about it really clear. We're going to look at all these verses. And he, he says, this is something that's mine. You just need to give it back. 3% of Christians in America only do this. Now, just think of all that, that America has done to support world missions already on 3%. What if America was 50%? What if it was 60%? What if 70% of Christians actually tithe? Could you imagine? I mean, there, there would be no place in the world that you say, well, the gospel hasn't got... There would be no problem funding world missions. It would, just, it would be over. It'd be done. The gospel would be brought to the deepest, darkest part of the world because why? Because there wouldn't be anything limiting. We'd, we'd have so much money, we'd be sitting there going, more missionaries, more missionaries. Malachi chapter 3, take your Bible, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Look at this verse. It says, will a man rob God? Question mark. Yeah, you've robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? I'll tell you how you robbed me. You've robbed me in the 10%, the tithe, and the offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, church, remember what we talked about last time. And I encourage you to go online, really, to listen to the podcast. Well, we talked about this, that, that you're managing God's business. You're a steward of what God put in your hand while you're alive. And, and you have to run this business that God's given you, okay? Now, now listen, you're either going to have a good business for God or you're going to have a bad business for God. You're going to have what I'll call a blessed business or a cursed business because you're not taking any of it with you. You're not. When you die... The, you know, there, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse when you're going to the funeral, okay? <laughs> when you're in the casket, that's it. It's the next person's job to take care of that business. So while you're alive, you're either going to run a blessed business for God or you're going to run a cursed business for God. So let's take a look. What would this look like if, if we were to do this? Well, what would a cursed business look like? Well, a cursed business, as he's saying here in this verse, would be someone that robs God. Why are you robbing God? Because you're not returning the tithes. You're not giving any offerings. The word rob there is literally the word that means to defraud or to embezzle. Huh. So, according to that verse, if I don't give back to God 10% of what, what's already His, I mean, it's already, I'm just giving, I'm returning it. He says you're embezzling from God. Imagine if you worked at a bank or a grocery store or something, and, and you have the cash register there, you're doing the cash register, and, and the, the manager says to you, says, could you bring the cash register to me? And you say, oh, sure. You pull out the cash register. What did I do? Did I give it back to God? And what did I just do? Did I give it back to my manager? I mean, no. I just embezzled, I just robbed God because I didn't give back to him what was his already. That's right. 
really great way to lose your job and end up in jail. I mean, imagine if you did that. that that's just bad. Imagine doing the same thing to God. Can I have the cash register, please? Sure. That, that's how some people live. You are literally running an accursed business. God's saying, I want you to take care of my business while you're alive. And you're sitting there going, sure, I'll take care of your business. There you go. <laughs> Listen, life is hard enough. Life is difficult. Some people like to make life a whole lot more difficult. <laughs> the one person I don't want to be robbing from or embezzling from is God. Can I get an amen, church? I mean, do you want to be doing that? That's not the way to live. That's not the way to do business. Haggai chapter 1 verse 6, you have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's, there's none warm. And he that, that earns wages earns wages to put it in the bag with holes. He's saying, here's a picture of someone running a cursed business. When you rob God, it's like you have a hole in your pocket. In your pocket? And you're walking along and the money just falls out. Why do I never seem to have enough money? I don't have enough money for food. I don't have enough money for clothing. I don't have enough money to take care of it. Why? One of the reasons why is because you're running in a cursed business, a cursed business model where you're robbing from God. And God says, when you rob from me, it's like you got a hole in your pocket. And the money just goes in and it just never stays there. There's never... Enough. Now, guys, this is, not, this is not philosophy or theology according to Dan. I didn't make this up. It's from the only book God ever wrote. Can I get an amen, church? This is his book. If you have a problem with this theology, and you're just, don't touch that, that's something you need to talk to God about because he wrote, he wrote this book, okay? This is, this is the way he planned it. And, and, and he says, listen, you're going to be frustrated, always be frustrated, when you don't take care of my business the right way, because there will never seem to be enough. Now, let's take a look at the other business model, the other business. That's a cursed business. Let's take a look at a blessed business plan. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is the, this is the way to run God's business. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me, underline the word prove with your pen, Prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I, this is God saying, God speaking, I will rebuke and devour for your, your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed. This is the blessed model of giving. For he shall be diligent. I'm sorry, but he shall uh, delight some land, says the Lord of hosts. So when God's plan is in place, God says, you know what? You take care of me with what I've given to you while you're alive, and I'll make sure that I take care of you. You've heard the story about the small town uh, that was a farming town, and in the farming town there was a small church, and the small church was never making it, never making ends meet. Very, very tough time in the small farming town. And the pastor of the church wanted help with the book, so he went to the, uh, the, the grain mill, the, uh, the mill there in town and, and, uh, where, the, where the farmers bring all their grain for storage and for milling and stuff. And he said, would you help me with the books of the church because we're just having a hard time. The church just isn't going to make it. And the grain man is a very wise man, the owner of the, the silos there, and he says, sure, I'll do that, but do me one favor. 
in the next year, promise me you won't look at the books. Promise me you'll just let me do whatever you want me to do with the books, and I'll make sure that the things of God's work, I'll make sure that the missions and everything of the church is taken care of. But just promise me for a year you won't look at the books. And the pastor says, what? We're going under. It doesn't really matter. Go for it. You know, why not? So for the next year, things go on. The church starts to see the giving increase, and missions increase, and building projects go on, and the church expands, and Sunday school expands, and the Iwana clubs expands, and, and the church has literally, as far as ministry, the biggest outreach to the community it's ever had. At the end of the year, the pastor goes back to the, the owner of the silos there who was taking care of the books and says, well, this is just amazing. How did this happen? And, and the, the owner of the, the mill there says, well, I'll tell you how it happened, is, is this. Every time the farmers in town brought their grain to me to mill it, I automatically took 10% out, gave it to the Lord's work, dealt with the 90% left, gave it back to the farmer. The farmer never missed it. The farmer never wished he had it. Matter of fact, all the farmers in town are actually being blessed. The farms are growing. They're having the best year they've ever had. And on the other side, too, the church is having the best, the best time ever had. God's blessed and the ministry has expanded. Why? And the, farmer said, the, the mill owner said, because I'm just, I'm just teaching the town how to tithe, and they don't even know it, right? And that's, that, that's just kind of the way it is. So God says, listen, when you take care of me, trust me, I'm going to make sure you're being, being taken care of. Why? Because you're managing my business the way I told you to manage the business, okay? You're dealing with my business my way, the way that I want it taken care of, and not a selfish way that you want it taken care of. And so, and so this is an important thing. And, and sometimes, sometimes, church, we become so stingy, we become so stingy that God is just saying, you know what, I can't bless a stingy person. I just, I have a hard time with that. Do you, let me ask you, I think I asked this last time we were together. Raise your hand. Do you know a stingy person? Raise your hand if you know a stingy person. Do you know any stingy people? My wife's looking at me. It's not, honey, <laughs> don't be like that right now. Don't you, can't you, can you, can you not stand stingy people? It's like, you know, they get a dollar out and it's just, you know, they're just, you know, like, you know, the kid comes over and cuts the grass and you're like, here's, you know, a penny for a tip. <laughs> don't you just hate it? Those of you that are waiters or waitresses, don't you hate stingy people that, that just don't tip? I mean, you can't, you can't stand that. I tell you, I, I always like to tip. I mean, I, I start at 20%. And I, church, especially in this economy, Christians ought to be the best tippers out there. We just ought to be. My son, I'm impressed with my son today. I had, well, I'll tell you this. Can we, can we talk for a second? Yeah, of course we can. We're here. <laughs> I had a really weird thing happen this morning. And the first time ever, for me, ever to happen. And I, I'm saying this because I'm proud of my son. My son's a good tipper, and I'm proud that he, he left a tip. Today, for breakfast, we had McDonald's, and it was delivered to our house with Uber Eats. We had McDonald's delivered to our house. Now, when I was a kid, you would get pizza on Friday night delivered, maybe Chinese food, but now they'll deliver McDonald's. Am I old-fashioned? Has this been going on for a while? So I tell you, this is, either, this is either the best thing that's ever happened to me now that I know about Uber Eats and McDonald's, or it's the worst, the worst health choice I've ever made in my life. Starting off with the number one meal at 8 o'clock in the morning is probably not the best thing to do, but how, do any of you get McDonald's delivered? Good. Okay, stay alive, stay healthy. Yeah, like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. That is, this is going to be dangerous, church. But, but the missing part of the whole deal is this, is that whether we run a cursed business plan or a blessed business plan, it really comes down to us, how we're going to act it out, how we're going to do it. It really comes down to our faith. What can we really trust God with? Take a look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 again, the verse we just looked at. And this is the spiritual part I want you to get. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse 
that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. So he doesn't say, again, he doesn't say give it. He says bring it. Bring it. Why? Because it's not yours. That's why. You bring what's not yours to the storehouse. Where does it say to bring it? It says bring it to the storehouse. Now every commentary I've looked at, every commentary I've looked at, uh, uh, looks at that and says the storehouse in the New Testament times we're living is the New Testament church. Okay, bring it to the New Testament church. I might get in trouble for this statement, but I'll say it. Okay, no, I won't get in trouble for it. I get in trouble for a lot of things. I won't get in trouble for this. The New Testament church is a storehouse. A parachurch organization is not a storehouse. I love parachurch organizations. Okay, uh, we give we we give to the Red Cross. We do stuff. There's a lot of good ministries out there. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the local church, okay? He says, bring the tithe, bring that 10% to the local church. Bring it to the storehouse, okay? That's where we're supposed to bring it. Not the local radio station, not the local mission organization. You bring it to the church. I was talking to the dean of men over at Ethnos, uh, the mission organization near here, and, and, I, and I love supporting. We support a lot of their missionaries. He said this, and I was sad to hear this, and they're sad on this too. He said 80% of their mission support. Now listen, listen. 80% of the missionary support is from individuals. 20% of missionary support comes from churches. Okay, that's backwards right there. So what do you mean 80%? 80% of the missionaries get their support from individuals that write a check. They don't bring it to the church. They go right to the missionary with it. Okay, it's good to have missionaries. We support an awful lot of missionaries. We have, our, our mission giving is going through the roof this year. Praise God. That's because of the generosity of the people in this church. Praise God. A missionary is not a local church. They're a missionary, okay? You're in a local church right now. And, 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 and he said only 20% of the, the giving comes from the local church. Why? Because people aren't bringing it to the local church. They're, they're skipping the local church and going right to the, the end source. Why? Why? Listen, why? Because we like to be in control with our money. Take out the checkbook, write the check. I want to know exactly where that's going. I'm not going to put it in the offering plate because I don't know where the heck that thing goes. I'm going to give it right to the missionary. Well, missionaries do good. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's good to have missionaries. We support missionaries. I just believe that local church missionaries should be funded by the local church. That's my, my two cents on that. But the point I'm trying to make is this. We don't have faith enough to say, God, I'm just giving it back. It's yours anyways. We want to be in control. I want to know where that's going. I want to know what's happening with it. I, I, want to, I want to do my giving my way. Church, that's dangerous ground to be on. God says, I'm not impressed with you doing it your way when you're in control. God says, I'm impressed when you do it by faith, when you just give by faith. Matter of fact, God says, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please me. You just, you, you, won't, you won't please me with this. You won't honor me with it. I, I just want to see you just do stuff by faith. You know, by faith is, by faith is like this, is, I don't know what's ahead, but I'm just supposed to go this way. I'm just, that's taking a step by faith. But we don't like that. We want to, that, that's not faith, okay? That's me being in control of the situation. Church, when we're givers, when we give, when we, when we want to model God's way of giving, we do it by faith and we trust Him and, and, and say, God, I, I'm going to, like that verse, it says, I'm going to give back, bring back to you what's yours, and I'm going to prove you. I'm going to test you. That's kind of cool, isn't it? 
It, it actually says, it actually says that, that, that we can test, we can prove God His faithfulness. And it, it's almost like a challenge. I, I, you remember those old TV commercials? Who was it? Was it William Shatner? I don't remember that. He'd put like the, the, the Energizer battery, the Rayblack battery on his shoulder. Remember that? And he'd say, go ahead, I dare you. And I don't even know what the commercial was about, but I guess knock it off or something. But it's like, I almost kind of picture God saying, yeah, just go ahead, you know. Go ahead, I dare you, you know. Maybe that was Clint Eastwood. I, I but but I'm, I'm, I'm daring you, I'm, I'm challenging you to test him to see if it's true. Now, guys, listen. You know, I grew up tithing. My parents just put it in my brain that we tithe. So I was a little kid, you know. I'd cut the grass real like that, I'd, you know, make a dollar. And I'd put in 10%. I just did. So if I made a dollar, what's 10% of that, church? I put in a dime. Thank you for helping me on that. Right. I got a little bit older. And I'd make $10. Church, help me on this. If I had $10, what's 10% of $10? A dollar, right. And I'd get a little bit older, you know, turn about 15, 16 years old. Instead of making 10 bucks, going out cutting grass in the neighborhood, I'd make $100. 10% of $100 is how much, church? Right. And then I got about my 20s and I started doing more landscaping or more, more work in people's yards. And then I'd make $1,000. And then went $1,000, then 10% of that for me was still $10. <laughs> my math changed a little bit when I. But the idea was that what? Is I. I, taught, I was taught from a child, I just always give 10%. And, and guys, I have just always seen God protect. i just always seen Him bless. <clears throat> and it's nothing of what I've ever done. It's nothing, you know, listen, there's been times <laughs> I've had to eat macaroni, macaroni and cheese or ramen noodle. But guys, listen, we have always made it in the ministry. Not because I'm anything special. Not because I have, a, you know, a key inside with God. It's just because I have always been a tither. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just stating a fact. We make a dollar, we give 10 cents period. That's where we start from. That's just the way it's always been. And I've always seen God bless. You know, through the years, I was counting this up the other day. I've had, I've had four really nice, four really nice, really nice cars given to me uh, in, the, in the years that, that, that I've had, okay? Four of the, or two of those cars, I actually gave away to some pastors and some missionaries that needed it. And I'm not talking junkers. I'm not talking clunkers. I'm not talking rust buckets. I'm talking like drive-off-the-lot cars. God's given to me, and it was just to the point where I, growing I just never had to buy a car because it was like I just knew somehow God was going to just always give me a car. Well, that's not me. There's nothing special there. I always looked at it like God is just going to take care of me. Why? Because my business plan was I'm going to make sure I give back to God there's the register. I'm giving back to God. What's his already? I'm not keeping part of it for myself and then asking for a blessing. It's yours. I'm the steward of it. I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to take care of it. Uh, I've told you this before. When we, we moved up here, we bought a house. God, God gave us a foreclosure house that the moment we walked in, the realtor looked at it and said, you either buy this house right now or I'm buying it. And she's like, you got 30 seconds to make a decision. And, and it, we live in a neighborhood we shouldn't be in. We, we, <laughs> we're, we're like the bottom, you know. But, but God blessed us with a house that I could have never imagined in a million years. The realtor didn't even know the house was on the market. It was a brand new foreclosure. It was listed as like a one-bedroom, one-bath house. And it's not. It's a three-bedroom, two-bath house on an acre and a half. You know, and God just did this miraculous thing at the time. That we just look back and we say, wow, well, that was a blessing from God. Church, that's not, well, I got lucky. Or how do you find the deals? That's God taking care of the people that take care of what's His. That's what it is. And sometimes, church, it's easy to forget that. Sometimes it's, well, well I'm just going to work so hard to take care of it myself and make sure that I'm taken care of. And God's going, gee, I'd love to bless you, 
but I can't seem to bless you because you're so busy taking care of your set, yourself. You're so in debt worrying about yourself. There's, I, I don't have any way to give you a blessing. And God says, if you just take care of the business that I've given to you, God says, I'll be sure to take care of, care of you. And guys, listen, this, this, is, this is not a philosophy. This is not a program. For a Christian, listen, this is a way of life, okay? This works for, for any, any, any economy. This works in any denomination. This principle even works for unsaved people. Do you believe that? It does. Why? Because God says that I'm going to make sure I take care of people that take care of me. It's just a principle in Scripture. I have a pastor friend of mine down south in Alabama, and he, he has a lot more faith than me. He tells his church this. Now listen carefully. He tells his church, I want you to start tithing, and he calls it a tithe challenge. I'm going to challenge you for one year to give a tithe. And if you, from the top, before Uncle Sam takes his, take 10% and just give it back to God by faith. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm just going to give it to God by faith. The pastor says, you do this for a year, and I promise you that God will intervene or step in in some, some great way in your life that you'll have a testimony to praise God for how God blessed you with your finances. And he says this. This is the part that gets me, blows my mind. He says, if within a year, within one year, if God doesn't intervene in your life some way miraculous and does something great for you with your finances, you come back and tell me that God did not do anything for you, and I will write you a check and return all the money that you tithe in the past 12 months. Well, I'm glad he's doing that. I don't know if I have enough faith to do it. But that's how much he believes it. And he says in, in the, I don't know, about 25-something years he's been in the ministry, he's never had one single person come back to him. Why? Because it's a principle in Scripture that I'm just going to make sure you take care of him. Guys, listen. This is not the prosperity gospel. This is not get rich quick. That's not the point. The point is it's a principle of living as a Christian that, that, that this is God's register, okay? And he's, he's telling you to bring it back to him. Don't take out of the register and say, that's mine. He says, don't do that. It's a lifestyle. It's a principle of living. It's not get rich quick. You don't get saved by it. You don't go to heaven because of it. Absolutely not. But he says it's a principle of being blessed and living in the Christian life. And listen, the blessing, I got to say this too, the blessing is not always financially. Sometimes God blesses you with health. Sometimes God blesses you with just family blessings, with, with relationship blessings, with, with, with interpersonal blessings. Well, God blesses in all different kinds of ways. Sometimes God's going to wait until heaven to give you a blessing for it too. Okay? I don't know. It's not, it's not sending money. You know, I hate those people on TV sending money and you're going to get rich. That's absolutely not, that's not the whole concept of it. The concept of just the principle of I'm going to be a generous person by faith. I'm just going to give it back. It's not mine to keep. I'm just going to give it back, and, and, and I'm just going to live that way, and that's what I'm going to do. It's kind of like, imagine if you had a kid, and, and, and the kid was so consumed with gym shoes. My, my, my son plays basketball, and he's really consumed with gym shoes. Well, let's just say, parents, you get this. Son comes to you, Daddy, I need gym shoes to play basketball. Well, as a good parent, you're saying, well, okay, we'll work on it. We'll get you some good gym shoes. I'll take, I'll take care of you. Why? Because you are my child, Right? But the son's like, oh, I got to have these gym shoes. I just got to have these gym shoes. And the son goes out, and he goes out and gets a job at Chick-fil-A, and he works, <coughs> excuse me, he works every night. And he's working hours after hours after hours, trying to save money for the gym shoes. And the dad's sitting there going, I'd sure love to spend some time with you. I'd sure love to talk to you. I'd sure love to know what's on your heart. I'd sure like to know what's going on. I don't have time, Dad. I don't have time. I got to get these gym shoes. I'm so consumed. I got to get these gym shoes. And the dad's going, if you... 
if you just talk to me, tell me what's on heart, if you just spent time with me, if, if, if you just let me do my job, I'll, I'll, don't worry, you're not going to go barefoot. I'll make sure you're taken care of. Why? Because you're my child. But sometimes we're like the kid, the, the teenage kid, we're just so busy taking care of ourselves that God's like, I, don't, I, I can't even help you, I can't even take care of you because there's nothing to take care of. You're, you're making sure that you're always taking care of on your own. You're so busy with yourself, you're not letting God interact and be involved in your life on this. And, and, and it's just an amazing thing to me that Christians, we trust God with everything. We trust God with salvation. I know because I've trusted the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid my sin debt. I know I have an eternity waiting for me in heaven. I absolutely positively, I know that. I can trust God with my eternity. But can I trust God with 10 cents on the dollar? Well, life gets a little shaky there, right? We could trust God for everything else. You know, I, I trust God to save me from hell, and, and, and I'll have an eternity in heaven, but I don't know if I trust God for a hamburger tomorrow. I don't know if I can trust God for, you know, gas in my gas tank tomorrow. I just don't know that. And, and every time I teach on the subject, I always get a few crazy emails, and someone will say something, well, this is, you know, we're in the New Testament time. We're not living in the Old Testament. Those verses you read are from the Old Testament. Well, hold on a second. The, the tithe was part of the law. Jesus did fulfill the law. And, and whenever someone says that to me, I just say this. I said, you obviously haven't read the New Testament. Was Jesus for the tithes? You better believe he was for the tithe. Matter of fact, how about this? Remember Jesus, whatever, whatever the law said, Jesus always went up above the law, right? For Jesus, the tithe was where you started. It wasn't the finish point. It was the starting point. In the New Testament under grace, 10%, well, that's what the law said. That's where, that's the minimum. It's yours. That's where I start. And above that, I give an offering. I, I, give, I give a gift above that. Because the 10% is yours. Under grace in the New Testament, we give above that. Take a look at it here in, in these verses and, and kind of get an idea. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. I just want you to see this and we'll try to get out of here. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. This is Jesus talking. For you pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Well, these you ought to have done and not to leave the other undone. He said, listen. <laughs> He's saying, listen, you guys ought to have mercy, faithfulness, and tithing. He said, he said, said, you're tithing, but you're not having mercy and faith in there too. You're not being a person of justice. He said, listen, I want you to do all those things. I want you to be a person of mercy. I want you to be a person of faith. And yeah, I want you to be a person of tithing too. He never says we're done with it. He doesn't. He says this is a good thing that you're doing it, and I want you to keep going. That's the words of Jesus. So someone ever argues, well, that's in the Old Testament. They obviously haven't read the New Testament, okay? <laughs> He's pretty clear about what he wanted and, and what he expected. And, and so, you know, that's legalism. Listen, if you say it's legalism, here's, here's what I can pretty much tell you right off the bat. You're a cheapskate, okay? If you say that tithing is legalism, A, you haven't read the Bible, shame on you. And B, you're a cheapskate. That, that's what I want to say, because look who he was talking to. You know, you hypocrites, you vipers. <laughs> so every time, every time we see Jesus in the New Testament, he's always raising the standard of the law, and 10% was the baseline, 10% is where he started from, and he always gave above that. And he always did that above that because he gave from the heart. He gave by faith. And, and, and Christianity Church is not about what we get. It's not about the minimum that we can do. It's not about what's the minimum I can squeak by as a Christian. No, it's, it's absolutely positively not that. God does not want anything from you. He wants something for you. Church, listen, we talk about tithing, okay? We talk about giving. And some of you may be uncomfortable. 
rest easy, we're not taking another offering, although I should, but we're not <laughs> going to. Um, listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, 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 I don't, our church does not need your money. That, that is the truth, okay? We have got a core group of believers here that from day one have just started and have been extremely faithful, and, and, and this is the most generous church I think I know, with time and with money. I, I don't think I know of a more generous church than Dayspring. Okay? I'm just being serious with you, okay? If, if, if you are uncomfortable with that, or you think that, well, Dayspring, you know, pastor's talking about this today, and this is the first time I've talked about this in, Amy, probably what, three or four years? I just have not talked about this in a long time, because we haven't needed to, and we don't need to now, really, we're just talking about it. Listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to become generous, and I want you to give back to God. Here's the register. I'm just giving it back to you. If you don't want to do it here at this, this church, you have my blessing not to tithe here. You do. Go to the church down the street and give your money to the church. I pick a church. I don't care. I just don't care. You pick a church that you're comfortable with, and you give your tithe to that church. It's fine. You don't need to give it here, all right? I, why? Because I don't, this whole message is not about something I need from you. It's something I want for you. I want you to get it. I want you to understand what it means to be faithful. And I want to see God bless you. You don't have to bring your money to this church. Give it to some other church. It's just totally fine. The entire board is sitting there going, I can't believe the pastor's saying this. But <laughs> John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. What does Jesus say? I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And many of you have been faithful tithers throughout the years, and I, I appreciate you. And I see, as the pastor, sitting on this side of the desk, my front row seat to a lot of your lives, I see the people that make this much money, and they tithe way up here. I've seen them live like they make this much money. I've just seen God's blessing. I just see it. I don't look for it. I just see it. I've also seen the people that make this much money and tithe way down here. Yeah, I've seen that too. And they make this much money, but they live like they make this much money. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't get it. All I know is that God says, you, you bring it to me and you, you prove me and see if I don't take care of you. And I don't know what exactly that means for everybody. I don't know how that lays out for everybody. But, but I just want you to get it and understand it, that God wants you to live by faith. And God, there's a principle in Scripture here that he talked about a stinking lot. And if we don't talk about it, shame on us as a church, shame on me as a pastor, we're not talking about our discipline with our money. Okay? And, 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 and some of you are saying, well, maybe I, should, maybe I should start at 10%. Maybe I should just give God the test. Maybe I should just start to do this. Okay, here's the deal. I want you to... I want you to to start tithing on your own. Give it here, give it in our church. I don't care. It doesn't matter, okay? It's God's. Just give it. And then you come and tell me how God blessed you because I want to hear a testimony. I want to hear you say, hey, this is just an amazing, this is the cool thing. God blessed me because I wasn't a, a stingy, I can think of a Scrooge. I wasn't a stingy Scrooge, you know? And, 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 and some of you need to be challenged and say, you know what? I'm going to start. Maybe you can't start with 10% right now. Maybe you start with 2%. And then you go to 5%. And then six months go to 8%. And then, you know, by a year from now, maybe you're at 10%. And you start whittling away your budget. Maybe there's some extra money you could start spending correctly. We don't need the latest phone. You don't have to have cable with all the channels, right? Is there some addiction you can get rid of? Is there, is there something maybe you need to stop? Maybe you need to start showing up on a Friday night? Listen, coming on Friday night to our, our recovery program, let me just tell you this. 
It will probably save you five or $6,000 a year, okay? <laughs> I'm just telling you right there. Once God gets a hold of you and you start whittling out those addictions and those stubborn habits you need, you don't have to spend the money on that junk, and then there, there's just money in your pocket just because you're not doing something you used to do. But maybe some of you need to sit there and say, maybe I need to start doing this, and I need to take God seriously at his word. And maybe some of you by faith would say, I just want to see what God possibly would do. And maybe God's willing to work in your life and do some great thing, and you're just going to be amazed by it, okay? Wouldn't that just be so cool? I mean, if, 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 the, if the national average, what I say, was 3%, so I don't, I don't know what the, I don't, I, don't see, I don't see the books like this, okay? Would that be saying 3% of our church tithes? If, if, if we're the average and we're not the average, could you imagine what God would do if, if, if 50% of our church tithed? I, I don't even know what it is. I, I have no idea. I'm just guessing. Could you imagine what God would do if, if 100% of us tithed? <laughs> we wouldn't be doing a capital campaign for that upstairs. We'd be breaking ground for a gymnasium, right? Absolutely, absolutely we would. We, would, we wouldn't be, you know, just trying to, to increase our, our, our mission giving, you know, by a few percentage points every month. We'd be like doubling it and tripling it. We'd be begging for missionaries to come here just to try to give them money away, right? I mean, there, there wouldn't be an issue. But that's because it's just a matter of us walking by faith and saying, God, is this something you'd call me to do? God, is this something you would have me to do? God, could you work in my heart and teach me, help me to understand the principle? It's your register anyways. All I'm supposed to do is give it back to you and not rob God and embezzle a little bit saying, no, I don't think you're going to get that back. But just to live by faith and say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know what you're going to do. And prove God. God, I want to see a blessing. God, I want to be blessed by something you're going to give me. God, would you prove to me that when I do this and I give it back to you, would you prove to me that that's walking by faith? Would you prove to me that I'm doing the right thing? And just challenge God. Just dare him to prove to you. I, what, what's going to happen? I have no idea. But I'd like to know about it. Tell me how God works in your life. Tell me what great miracle God did. I just don't know how. I don't know where. But you just do it because God said to do it. And you say, you know what, God, it's your business. I'm going to run it your way. And let's see if God's not honored, not blessed by your heart, by your spirit. Okay? So the good news is this. The good news is this is the end of our series. Amen. <laughs> and we don't have to talk about money for a couple more years. That would be a great thing. That's wonderful. But, but here's even the better news. The best news today is this verse. And, and this verse just kind of reminds me of Christmas. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, you got to get this next phrase. That whosoever, church, what's the next word? Starts with the letter B. What is it? Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me just use uh, my glasses here, my readers, for a second, show you an illustration. We'll be done. Pretend for a moment this hands me and you. Pretend that my eyeglasses are all the bad things we've done. Here we are. Here's the bad things we've done. We've all done bad things. Pretend, just pretend this hands God. God's in heaven. Heaven's perfect. Now watch. There's no sin in heaven. It wouldn't be heaven. It would be hell. <laughs> and God says, I love you, but I hate the sin. Your sin keeps you from heaven. Okay? You, you can't get, listen, Giving money won't pay for that. Well, Pastor, you just talked about becoming a tither. That's nice, but giving money doesn't pay the mortgage, okay? The Bible says in the book of Romans, the wages or the cost, the mortgage for the bad things you've done is, watch this, is death, which is eternal separation from God forever in hell. God says if you die and that mortgage isn't paid for, you will not spend an eternity with me. I don't care how good you are. I don't how much, care how much money you've given to the church. I don't care if you got baptized. I don't care what church you joined. You're not going to be in heaven because the payment for going to heaven is not being good. The payment is death. Someone has to die. 
So you'll either spend an eternity paying for that sin debt forever, or God said, here's the story of Christmas, the story of Easter. I'll send my son Jesus. Jesus will die on the cross. Listen, Jesus will die on the cross. He'll he'll pay that mortgage. The mortgage is death. Someone has to die. God said, my son will pay it. Look at the verse again. His son died. Whosoever believes in him should not perish whatever last night. All I want you to do is trust that. God, I'm a sinner. I can't pay it. But I believe that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he paid that mortgage for me. Three days later, he rose from the grave, proving it had been paid. And and God says, listen, when my son dies on the cross, he'll pay the mortgage. I just want you to accept that, to believe it, to trust it. When I walked up here on the stage today, I trust this stage will hold me up. Now, if I keep doing this Uber Eat McDonald's thing, there may come a day the stage won't hold me up. But for right now, it's holding me up. But, but I have faith the stage will hold me up. Listen, I have faith that when Jesus Christ died, he paid the mortgage for me. God looks through his son and says, forgiven. You didn't do anything better. You didn't give enough money. You didn't get baptized. You did nothing but accept the fact, believe in the fact, trust in the fact that Jesus paid the mortgage for you. That's all you can do. And God says, you are forever part of my family, never to be lost or forsaken. You can know for certain you have eternal life, not because you did it, but because Jesus Christ paid the mortgage for you. God, I realize I'm a sinner. I can't pay. I can't. But I believe that your son did. I believe that he died on the cross. He paid my sin debt. I accept his payment because I can't pay for it, but I accept what he did. And God says, you're part of my family forever. That's the best news of Christmas right there, okay? And that is just the best news. That's what you need to be sharing with everybody, especially in light of what happened in Waukesha two weeks ago, okay? That's the news that people need to hear is that God loves them so much, he paid their mortgage for them, okay? That's the best news you can share with someone. All right, we're done. We're out of time. Let's close in a word of prayer and, uh, and let's get out of here. Father, we thank you for our study today. We've had a good time talk about money. It's important. You told us to talk about it. We're talking about it. Would you challenge some of us to become tithers? Maybe there's some people in this room that are struggling with that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some people, this was a soft spot I touched today. I don't know. Would you work in our hearts, Lord, all of us, and myself included? And maybe some of us just need to start doing something. That, even if it's not here, I don't care. Pick a church and give to it. Help us to, by faith, become people that give that cash register back to you. It's yours anyways. Just help us to start obeying you. Lord, I pray today if there's someone that has never trusted you as Savior, someone today that came in here thinking they could be good enough to go to heaven or getting baptized would go to heaven or having their kids in a Christian school would go to heaven, but Lord, we understand today it's not by what we've done, it's not the good works that we do. It's simply trusting, believing, it's accepting the fact that Jesus did the work so we don't have to. Maybe in the quietness of our mind, someone's saying today, God, I realize I'm a sinner. God, I can't pay for that sin. But I believe that Jesus Christ did pay for my sin. I believe he rose again. It proved he's paid for the sin. And I'm accepting the fact Jesus paid my sin debt for me. I'm trusting in Jesus as my Savior. And Lord, they can know forever they have eternal life. What an awesome, awesome thing. Maybe right now someone's trusting you as Savior. Lord, I ask you'd give them a special blessing and, and bring them back to church to learn more about your plan for their life. Ask for a blessing in the remainder of our afternoon. Thank you for all the, the parents that are here today and the little kiddos that were singing. They did such a good job. And we pray. Amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262 
404-504-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.